haven't started yet, right? I was just about to start. <laughs> I took a big deep breath. When he claps, the take one. Stop it. How many take, takes we do? <laughs> one. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready now. Welcome back to the <laughs> Conversations with Jeff Bucknam podcast. Today, I'm having a conversation with my friend Kyle Meeker, who I have known for twenty something years now, maybe almost. 1996. Woo! That's yeah, a going back. That's that's a, a that's, lo- a, that's a millennium ago. That is a long, long time ago. In a galaxy far, far I away. knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I in my head, I was like, I bet you, you he's going to go Star Wars. Going straight. Just, anyway, Carl's here again because uh, I won't go away. He was sitting in here when we arrived, and we didn't have the courage to <laughs> ask him to leave. Uh, Kyle. What is your job here at Harvest Bible Chapel? Uh, pastor of Leadership and Development and working with Grace Seminary currently to develop some leadership programs for people who are in ministry, want to grow in ministry so that they can be sent out for ministry. So you're the guy, if somebody is interested in leadership development in one of the programs that we have, you'd be the guy they want to talk to. Yeah, I'd love to talk to people. Yeah. That would be great. K Meeker, M-E-E-K-E-R at harvestbiblechapel.org. Kyle has a uh, Master of Theology degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. Kyle, I'm going to try to do this right here. Uh, let's see if I can. It had an his emphasis was in new uh, his emphasis was in uh, academic ministries, systematic theology, and New Testament studies. Whatever they changed the curriculum, yeah, no. so I was able to do like two majors. Okay, wow. Was, yeah. He also holds a Doctor of Ministry degree from Talbot. School of Theology. We both got both of those degrees roughly at the same time. The difference is that uh, J.P. Moreland remembers Kyle's name and does not remember mine. <laughs> he remembers you. He just, no, he doesn't. He just didn't. He draws a blank. He just denies it now. Saw you like eight years later and didn't connect He's the like, dots. Uh, who are you? Oh, it's okay, man. I just... Just, sat, just break the silence and, and reintroduce yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. And give your name right up front. Uh, Kyle, uh, you are from... So you'd like to claim you're from California. You're not from California. Yes, I am. You were born in California. I was born in Southern California, uh, right near the LAX airport. Lived there, went to a church right near there, uh, but moved when I was five. Uh, so California, Southern California, upstate New York, moved into our house in the midst of a snowstorm. The truck couldn't even get up the hill. Uh, basically grew up in New York, graduated high school, and went to college in Rochester, New York. So Spent- are you, you're a New Yorker then? Uh, most of my growing up years is New York. Yeah. So I kind of like California, but I grew up in New York. Kyle is the quirkiest basketball player you'd ever meet. He is a mixture. I don't know if that is limited to basketball. You are a mixture of, you know, a lot of people, when they think of basketball players and stuff, they think, oh yeah, big tall guys with wearing all the swag. That's not Kyle. Kyle's the guy wearing the Birkenstocks with socks. He's the, not, not when I play basketball, but they, they are comfortable. He can answer questions to you that you ask about Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, Star Wars, and probably not, be happy not, to write a paper about all of them. Not necessarily all well, but I do enjoy some of those, yeah. Yeah. So um, you have two kids? Two kids, yeah. Uh, soon to be jun- or junior now and a sixth grader. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, a puppy. And a new puppy. You've been married yeah. how long? Uh, 25 years. 25 oh. years. You and I met, oh. I think. Weeks after you got married. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. 
we <laughs> yeah, he had hair then. Kyle had hair. Back yeah, in those a days. quarter I century. I still remember. Here. I still remember here, that floppy here. blonde looking hair. You actually did look a little bit like you were from California when you used to have your blonde that, hair. That was that was the vibe I was going for. I know. Back back in the day. Yep. Um, so Kyle, you're here because you've had lots and lots and lots of time to study uh, through seminary and through your teaching ministry for years. Uh, stuff having to do with money, and I thought it would be good for you to sit across from me and correct all of my mistakes when it comes to this subject. All of them? How long is this podcast? Yeah, no kidding. It's going to take you a while. <laughs> no, we have 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> so pick your time. Do you have three. the timer? It was yeah, the yeah, I'm just time. paying attention generally. So, okay. I, but I am interested. You spent the last uh, several weeks sitting in, in the pew, which is not a pew, a chair. Mm-hmm. You've been sitting in the uh, congregation, and you have been thinking about some of the issues related to our on the money series. What, series, what's your what's your kind of overall takeaway at this point? We've been through five or six weeks. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate the emphasis on knowing the goodness and grace of God, and that's got to be the foundation, not just for money, but that's the foundation for everything we do as people, as humans, in essence. So having that as the foundation as we think about money and some of the nitty gritty parts of what it means to steward that aspect of our lives well, being brought back continually to the giver of all good things, and then us being the steward of the gifts, knowing that they're gifts, that's really, really helpful. And that's a you, great foundation. Knowing you well enough, uh, I think uh, you have a particular interest in making sure that people understand that uh, in a, in a discussion about the Bible's view of money and possessions, you think an overstated, will agree or disagree with me, you think an, over, an understated truth in Scripture is that money, possessions are good things. Yeah, so I think that money as an aspect of the created world that God has given to us, creation wasn't something that God thought up as a way to figure, well, how are we going to tempt people or test people to figure out if they really love me or not? And then we'll see how they do with creation, especially money. That creation is part of the goodness of God for us, and it's a gift to us, and it's a gift that we are to receive. So in the goods that money purchase uh, are 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 good things. Yeah, the created world is good. I mean, Genesis one and two, good, 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 and the conclusion of it of the creation in Genesis one and two that 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 narrative, it's very good. So creation itself and money as an aspect of how we work within creation are very good things. And I think we underappreciate that. And that's demeaning to God in a sense because he's the giver and he wants to be thanked for it. Another kind of parallel is your, your emphasis on the duty and delight kind of contrast and that they don't need to be in opposition. Mm -hmm. They should be brought together. So part of our duty is delight and as you're talking about this, because you have picked on me so much for liking John Piper, mm. and as you were talking about mm. our duty and delight, I'm like, he's he's, he's preaching Piper's sermon. Really? And he I'm is. like, that's you great. Were. I'm going to make yeah, sure John he Piper is the first one in the world to ever no, mention ever. Uh, duty and delight. He was the first one to ever mention great, that they both start with D's. It was Pascal great. and, and then he wrote books about him. it. And now we all have to give pay homage to John Piper. No, because no not homage. By the way, I love John Piper. I think he's fantastic. But but you but yeah, you're not the only one who. A, an image, a picture of John Piper pouring out the grace of God for you uh, came to mind when you did it both two, both weekends back to back. So the, the, that that um, we think of those often as a choice, either duty or delight, when in actuality they need to be combined. They're not in opposition to one another. 
actually our duty is to delight. And as we delight, that is part of our duty because that's the relationship that God calls us into. And he does that within the context of the world. So, I'm using those, unfortunately, though, to, in a in a different way than you than you did. I was juxtaposing them, and I'm using the word duty as a cold. I'm going to do this without any cheer. Right. So, yeah, like that's not what you're be, talking to. No, talking no, I'm about. saying I'm saying that's good because if we think about duty as just simply the mechanics of things, mm-hmm. then we're doing things externally without the heart. So let me, let me yep. put, I'm going to put your, uh, I'm going to put your little theory here to the test. If I'm, if I'm understanding your theory, right, you think that all physical things that have been made by God, good. Yeah. But they've been corrupted. Yeah, so that sure. gets Genesis yeah, three. Absolutely. They, they, we yep. tend to also take them and make them our gods. God, right. Too, right. So, so we take the gifts stuff. from the giver and uh, instead of thanking the giver right. for the gifts, we make the gifts into our gods because we think the gifts are going to what are yeah. going to be what supplies our so deepest le- Romans purpose, one, right? satisfaction. Yeah, Romans. So one let me get right. I'm in a nitty gritty now. I'm going to get right down yeah. into it. Um, Kyle, uh, you go into a bike shop and you decide motorcycle that you're, bike or you know, like bike, bike bicycle bicycle e bike. Kyle and I, Kyle and I rode bikes together a few weeks ago, and uh, I think it nearly killed you. Uh, actually I was much less sore the next day than I thought I'd be. Okay, good. So that's, I guess. So you, you could probably use a, a new, a better bike. Sure. Okay. So Kyle's going to go into this bike shop and he's going to look around at the different bikes and he sees one that's like an aluminum one. It's the entry level. It's like 400 bucks. But then he sees this carbon fiber one. And so he's going to do You know, you're going to test, test ride these. He gets out in the aluminum one. It's fine. It's a nice bike. Uh, but then he gets on the carbon fiber one and it's light and it's quick and it's stiff and Kyle notices while he's stiff is good yeah while he's riding this bike that a smile is coming over his face he goes back faster to, okay but he comes back to the bike shop faster. goes back to the bike shop and he's standing there and now he's got to make a choice he's either going to spend his 400 bucks on the entry level one or he's going to spend his $3000 on the other one Sorry, I just made 3000 I don't even know but $3,000 on the other one. Is there a righteous choice? Potentially, yes, but that depends on the context. Okay. And the context would include how much funds I have available. Do I need to rob a bank to buy this? No, let's assume you have the money one. for You have money yep. for that. It's not going to, it's not going to kill you, but you could, Kyle, listen, you could spend the 400 bucks and then that would leave you $2,600 to spend on other things. Yeah. Well, yep. mission missionaries. Mission. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the great equation that in pros and cons that go through my mind and kind of like a balance sheet of do these things because of these good reasons, this option would have these good reasons. Um, and if you do that too long, you never buy a bike because you just are continually debating things. Uh, but that was supposed to be funny. Paralyzed. There's no, in an, in analyzing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you didn't laugh at that. I thought you'd laugh at that. No. Okay. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> that was so funny the, though. To, <laughs> to figure out the, um, yeah, it, it would be dependent on the broader context. There's no, because of the price tag, there's no definitive one is necessarily more righteous to use your word than the other. There are lots of factors that would go into a wiser choice than the other. So 
two things. I'm going to leave the wiser choice thing. I want to, I'm going to ask you about that, but you, you, you say that one could be more righteous than the other. Uh, are you, are you sure? Or are you just saying it's wiser? Well, you used the word righteous. I did, but I was, saying, I'm actually I was say, so I would say there's no, there's no, the two different bikes aren't. Ne- is it a sin one for is, me to buy the big, the better bike? No. So give it, so not, I'm not t- in and of itself. Yeah. And I'm going to tie right. this though to your particular point though, mm. that there is a sense that sitting on top of a, of a carbon fiber bike that's made really well, shifts really well. And the smile and joy that you have while you're riding this bike, uh, you find yourself glorifying God for the, for the making of the, like, this is a remarkable piece of machinery that God has, has made through the hands of skilled workmen. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a Christian thing. Of course. Yeah. So the being able to appreciate, and, and so you talked about skilled workmen. So if you think about how many people went into the development and the design and the construction of that bike and even the shop that that has all the material there and can talk with you about pros and cons of different different material or different bikes, all those people are using skills and putting those skills into a product. And that product can be used to if I'm going to get it and brag about it or you know or never use it or you know those would be things that aren't good. But if I get it and appreciate it and appreciate it because I recognize that in the totality of life, this is one of God's good gifts mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I can be out and enjoy his creation and I can be more uh, physically fit, all these good things. If I'm doing them with an attitude of thankfulness, then, then it's good. If I do, if I ride my bike because of pride or fear or, you know, whatever bad motivations there might be, then there needs to be a correction. Right. In my but that attitude, has nothing to do with the, the fiber of the bike, although I guess, I guess you could because you wanted to show it off or whatever. But um, I think that that perspective is something that a lot of Christians are, aren't are sure about. We and I used to work at, a, Kyle and I worked together at our, the last church we worked at, and it was had a history in Mennonite mm-hmm. um, uh, heritage or whatever. Uh, the Mennonites are well known for being very, very frugal yeah. people, right? Um there's an old joke that says that, you know, the, the great Mennonite conundrum, free dance lessons. Because <laughs> they don't men, dance. Because they, they don't dance. Either. They don't dance either. <laughs> Dancing is a yeah. sin, but oh. is free. So I don't remember they, that joke. That's good. I was freaking about <laughs> But uh, they, that, that's the thing, right? You know, kind of like a Scottish or a Dutch person, that's, that's the stereotype of, of that. Well, Mennonites kind of are also kind of included in all that kind of thing. And so there was always this weird thing that happened when somebody would go and they'd buy something like, like nice in a Mennonite setting. You always got, and I think it happens broadly in any Mm. church setting, but the Mennonite church setting, it was like, Oh yeah, I went out and I bought this new uh, pickup truck. It's, you know, whatever the, the Toyota big, big one. Uh, yeah, well now let me explain. I got a great deal on it. It was like half price, because there was, you know, something coming out of the back of it. But then I just walked up and I grabbed it and pulled the thing out of the back. But then they actually gave it to me for half price. And so 
I got it for half price, and then, of course, it doesn't use any gas because it's electric. And so I've done the math to figure out exactly how much money I'm going <laughs> to save over the time. To be honest with you, at the end of it, I'm making money. They make Like, they, I'm actually making they, money on this, on this like truck. Coals. I'm going to rent it out, <laughs> it's, it's and a, at times that I'm not. But the, the you reason. Justify you have to justify the, the, the spending of it because okay. the idea yeah. is that spending money on something uh, that's beyond the basic thing is a bad thing. Yeah, so there there is obviously wisdom and prudence in being wise with money, and so there's you know so many of the proverbs talk about that. So that's why it takes wisdom. So that's why I said wiser in that decision question of the the aluminum versus carbon fiber. It takes wisdom to figure out what's the best way to proceed. But w- whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Whether you ride a bike or don't ride a bike, do it for the glory of God. And if you're doing these things, which aren't inherently sinful in and of themselves, if you're doing these things for the glory of God then I think you're pedaling along the right path. But John Piper says that there are... Ready for this? You ready for this? I just want you to put on your little, your, 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 your flak jacket. Can I get my, my Piper no, fanboy hat? get your flak jacket on because I'm about to, I'm about to Piper all up, all up in here. Okay. John Piper says that we should be living a wartime lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, wartime lifestyles do not include carbon fiber bikes. Right, and it, they include like gruel and what, reused what's reused gruel? rubber slop, like food. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't go out and buy steak, man. Not not in a wartime lifestyle. Yeah, so I remember my grandparents even talking about how toothpaste, uh, World War II, it was metal, and you'd have to roll it up to get all the toothpaste out, and because yeah. you want to get it all out, and you couldn't get more, you couldn't get a second tube of toothpaste as a backup. You had to take the toothpaste in the store as like a return to get a prove that you used right, all you the because yeah so you weren't using right. so that so my okay, so here's a wartime lifestyle he does he actually he'll make the, he makes this argument don't waste your life yep. that you should have a wartime lifestyle and that that approach uh which i think is actually the his first book design god actually had this in it but like you should have a wartime lifestyle which is that you should only get the basic needs and the rest of the money and and everything else should go to to missions. In fact, I remember John Piper himself in a in a sermon that I heard one time uh, that he was preaching, talking about the the uh, the danger of his his leather sofa. Yeah, you asked. Yeah, so I remember that that illustration um, because it wasn't that the leather itself was evil or wrong. It was what he might do while he sits on the couch, in the sense of of not thanking God for it and become lazy in his spirituality and his life right. and his the attitude temptation, toward, toward God. The, the temptation would be to, to not just, work hard to, to, yeah, just to lean back and just rest. So the, like, which, which is a huge issue in American culture, by the way. Right. So the, sure. Makes a ton of sense for someone like John Piper to, so as soon as you advocate either the wartime or the, um, you know, celebrate things and be thankful for things. As soon as you start talking about one, there's immediate yep. dangers with each of them. Sure. The so let, danger with talk the to me about the wartime danger. The wartime danger is to think that the kingdom depends on us and it's not God who's working to spread the gospel and to, you know, for the good of people. Another danger of the wartime mentality is that it could lead to a pietism or an asceticism yeah. or almost like we're... Tell, we're, tell me we what think that means. What's an asceticism? Um, where we're shunning the things of the world for spiritual p- 
purity or spiritual growth. Yeah, and underneath that is the belief that 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 is contradicts the point that you made earlier. Uh, the reason ascetics approach things ascetically is because they believe that the physical thing is not as good as the spiritual thing. The right. spiritual thing, like prayer and reading, you know, your Bible and and uh, having nothing, living like a monk, means that you're closer to God than if you were to drive a Porsche. Yeah, so the asceticism can be prideful, um, and I'm thankful that there have been aesthetics in the history of the church. Aesthetics. Aesthetics, too. Aesthetics, aesthetics yeah. and aesthetics. Aesthetics. <laughs> aesthetics I put an extra vowel in there, didn't I? Did. Or maybe two extra vowels. Um, aesthetics, yes. S-E-S-C. No, right? stop it. No. Um, <laughs> it's A-S-C. But go ahead. C-E-T. Uh, when I write something on the computer, it's got to have a red line under it, and then I know to change it. So anyway, the that was supposed to be fun. I am your red line, it's Kyle. The um, the ascetic, I'm, I'm ascetic lifestyle. I'm thankful for the people that are called to that because yeah. it's going to be a great um, help for us to realize that this world currently is still fallen, and that's a great reminder. We need to be um, reminded of that. The appreciate the world lifestyle is the danger of that is it could lead to um, laziness. It could lead oh, to idolatry, pride. Consumerism. Yeah. Like you can and end so up the, rejoicing in the thing itself the, instead of the one who gave the thing. Cultures might lean more one way or the other. And so the, I think Piper's point was in a culture that leans especially toward consumerism to have this wartime kind of thought can help bring a corrective yeah. to the consumer. It at least can move the bar, right? right. Yeah. I Where have a the, lot of time the, for John Piper's thing. I also think David Platt makes this, it's not an error, but it is a, a leaning toward one. His book, Radical, mm-hmm. seems to indicate too that like, look, going on missions and, and those sorts, those are the important things. Yeah, and so spending money, which I totally understand and agree with, that we, especially as Western Christians, we think we need more than we actually do need. Mm-hmm. And so there is a point not only to be made there, but emphasized between don't waste your life and radical, that is absolutely true. Also, uh, a book called Worldly Saints by Mike Whitmer kind of tries to make the argument that, yeah, but we also were made physical beings in a physical world, and uh, God, who made that physical world, made it good. And the stuff that He made, right? Then when you when you ride in a in a car that you enjoy riding in, or you ride a bike that feels a particular way when you're riding it, can it 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 evokes thoughts of of God and His goodness and the good of the physical world which we're made for, and it can be very much a a pathway of thanksgiving to him. Mm-hmm. Somehow, the Christian church has to hold those in tension. Yeah, so Paul has a phrase um, that's been really helpful for me to think through this and lots of different other issues is uh, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Mm-hmm. And so since we live in a fallen world and we recognize the sin around us and in us, we recognize that the world isn't what it was meant to be. So we're sorrowful and we can weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. But life isn't mere sorrow uh, because we have a good God. And so your point at the end of these sermons has been, you will look at the goodness of the giver. Because of the goodness of the giver, we, we know Christ, and we know that the sorrow won't be forever, that there's a time limit on the sorrow. So we can be sorrowful because we recognize that things are really bad in this world, 
yet always rejoicing because we can recognize the goodness that God has given to us both now, but also in the in the age to come in the fullness. Yeah, so I would think that if you're out running, we pl- I played soccer yesterday and my legs are still paying the price for it because I'm old and fat. But yesterday I went out and played soccer and there were some people, Wesley, our producers out there playing soccer and there is something about rejoicing while you're playing just in the in the 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 physical ability to do it and the fresh air that you're breathing and all these sorts of things. And the, this is something to be rejoiced in that you're able to play a game. Yes. Because somebody could come along and say, what are you doing wasting your time playing a game? Don't you know people are going to hell? And the answer is, well, I do know people are going to hell. Mm-hmm. But I live in a, in a physical world that the Lord has given that I might enjoy it. And it's a fallen world yep. where people need to be reached with the gospel and our hearts are drawn away to idols. Both of those can be true. Mm-hmm. And so it, there, there's a challenge. So what, but what this does, I think what this does is it makes it so that Christians should be very careful in passing judgment on other Christians regarding what they have or don't have. Um, that's between them and their God. Uh, and I think that it, 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 it particularly makes us yeah, aware, because I think the tendency of Christians is to go that, that ascetic way. I do. But maybe I'm wrong. Do you think it is? Maybe where you guys came from, but from here, I, I think it's the other way. The other way. Okay. A little bit more. So, so that, that's why we need kind of both voices in a yeah. sense and to be sorrowful. Well, let me just tell you, be, as somebody who just yeah. has lean, leaned ascetic, if you want to get rid of your carbon fiber bike, I'd be happy. <laughs> I'm keeping mine. I can take it off your hands. They do last and long. Then I would be happy because it would be fitting, fixing my yes. clear asceticism and it would be helping you so that you would be, to be more, more aesthetic. More aesthetic. <laughs> I'm an aesthetic. My wife's somewhere shaking your head oh yeah. my word you're no. not no <laughs> terrible oops snort so the even, even snort. the even the sermon about the talents yeah you know these are i was just going to try and bring money to that. that ends up being useful and it makes more and they're making them more it's somehow it's serving people because you're investing it and allowing people to do things with it so you're helping people and serving people and that's that's rewarded. If you think of Genesis and the, the cultural mandate, as some refer to it as, you know, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So God makes the world, it's formless and void. He puts, he doesn't make the world a par- paradise around the globe. He makes a garden. And even in the garden paradise, it's not a vacation. The garden of Eden is more of a vocation. It's where they're to work and tend the garden. And in their tending, they're worshiping because they're serving God in that. Mm-hmm. And that provides a sense of fulfillment. So work itself isn't the curse work becomes cursed, but work itself is actually a blessing because that's part of how we image God. God made the world and we're to make things from what he made in the world. Right. So when we are creative and we make things, we echo the character mm-hmm. of our, of our God, yeah. heavenly father. Yep. So coming back to the beginning of your initial question of how you found the on the money series, money being a tool, mm-hmm. right? In, like work. I'm just going to pick up where you left In that way, there. Carl, it shares a lot in yeah. common with you. It's a tool. No? Cric- crickets. No? There's a lot of bad jokes. The crickets. I got to go on this, really this podcast. And now they're, cricket. now there are other bad that jokes. That was so not worth <laughs> responding to, and I, I loved, loved it. it. I, oh! Okay, go ahead. Any, 
But now I tell it. Anyway, the train of thought was money being not evil in and of its inherency, but it's it's our fallen heart state makes something that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So it's it's the love of money, which yeah. is the root of all evil. Not not money, uh, our root yeah. of all evil. So it's it's the money itself is 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 something we, we use and it can be used for good things. Yeah. Ways, ways or the love of things people. that money buys, which yeah, are so, pleasure, experience, ease of life. So here, here's where John Piper, I think, tries to hit the nail on the head is Americans use their money to create time. And time is of the essence. And in a wartime analysis, in a wartime lifestyle, you don't, you don't have a lot of time because mm-hmm. you got to make, you got to make things happen for the better, you know, for the betterment of the kingdom of the, of the area that you're, you're trying to win for. And I, there's some value in what he's saying. It's, is it it's his to attempt. I, I just would prefer the double the money image, right? I mean, it's, he's trying to get at the idea that you should be working hard with the, the masters, what the master's given you so that you may, may double it and present it back to him that, for his purposes. That was one of the questions I had to bring into this t- to the two of you guys. And that is the, how, what does doubling the money look like theologically or vertically king, kingdom wise? Like, for a, from a practical person sitting in there. Okay, I'm a stock market guy, right? Like I can go and invest and I know my, my rule of 72, I can double the money for sure and I can turn 10 bucks into 100 bucks if I, if I need to. But that's horizontal, that's material, that's in this world. Well, it is at that point. It doesn't need to be though. Right. Yeah. So is can there I, a double connotation to in, so in I'll terms tell you of what Matthew, parable? Is it, is I'll it tell you this? what I think Matthew thinks about it, okay? Yeah. So he has four parables all in a row. This is the third of the fourth, and each one builds on the other. So the first one talks about how it is, you know, the wicked servant, and hey, be careful because there is a judgment. There's a judge, and he's coming back. Basically, the master's coming back, so be careful what you're doing. The next one is, well, when he's coming, when he comes back, you better be ready, right, for him to be back because it's the bridesmaids who run out of their oil. The third one is while you're waiting for him to come back, you shouldn't just do what a bridesmaid does, which is just sitting there waiting for him. You should be actively working for the sake of the kingdom because he's given you this stuff, okay? And the fourth one is adds to that, that picture by saying, uh, on what basis will he be making that judgment when he comes back? Like what is the very question you just asked? Yeah. What is the doubling? Um. And the answer to the question is uh, there are some who's going to put on his right and some he's going to put on le- his left as he separates sheep and goats. And to the one on his right, he says, uh, you know, welcome into the, the kingdom for you. Uh, what does it say? For, for you, you, you fed me yeah. when I didn't yep. have any food. and you Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So all of that language is about, I I mean, I'd summarize it in Christian hospitality and fellowship. I mean, it's koinonia. It's the sharing of oneself with the other. And so I am, I'm saying that that, I think that that's the answer to that question. It's this uh, radically sharing. When I say radical, it's supposed to be normal for Christians, but do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? In comparison to the rest of the world, it's a radically sharing perspective with everything you have to share and fellowship primarily with other Christians, right? Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, but also with, with all. Um, And I, so that's what I think is the, the overall, the overall point there. And that those who don't do that are akin to the guy who went and buried his, his 
talent in the ground. Which, he, they, they, in other words, in this in that passage, they just chose not to do it. It wasn't that they, yeah. do you know what I mean? That they were actively against the person in need. They just didn't act, right? Laziness. James, yep. James, right? He said, "Be warm and well fed," but didn't do anything, right? So that that's the that's the point is the people who are actively working and seeing all of their life and all of the things that they have as as means of hospitality and means of welcome and inclusion for the other. Yeah, so the 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 goal of stuff isn't merely to enjoy the goal of thing of of you know gifts that God's given to us is in the thankfulness to him that opens up a series of relationships horizontally. Mm. So the goal isn't just hoard to myself, which needs to be corrected, nor as we were talking about before, ending with God, thank you for this as I ride my bike around. But the goal of things ultimately is as I receive it and give thanks for it, what does that do as I live among this, in this world, among believers and even, even non-believers? What does it say about, about my priorities and yeah. the way I, 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 I love others? So I get, to give yep. and I get to give. So to take and there's the, a joy in that because the, the imperatives to give aren't just bare commands of duty. They're dutiful things we're to obey, but we're to obey as we find the delight in the obedience. So if I receive something, I enjoy it, but how much more should I enjoy it? If I, if I share it, if I give it away, that is exactly what I was holding myself back from jumping in and saying, but like to take the bike analogy further, if I, I would make the bigger investment and I use that word intentionally into the carbon fiber bike for all the reasons of enjoyment of Thanksgiving to the Lord for having the provision provided for that time that I could afford it that way, but not to hold it so closely that it's only mine, but to share with others who also may not have that money to then enjoy it. Now you've gone even one step further than making a simple decision. And that's, but that's the, I think that that's the the fully orbed best way to use it. There's nothing wrong with using it yourself and enjoying it yourself. That brings glory to God, but you are truncating the purpose of the gift if that's where it stops. Right. That you should mm-hmm. yes enjoy it as a means to sharing it with others that they might enjoy it. <laughs> Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. ultimately, you're 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 bringing glory to God, but you're also including other people in bringing in bringing glory to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Tom Piper, actually, since we're talking about him, he has this little section that's I usually read in whenever I do a series like this, but I ran a, I ran a time. But there, he actually tries to interact with the question, uh, what do you say as a pastor, what do you say to people who like own two houses? And his response is, well, first of all, you're not going to give them a law because that's, that's not, everybody wants a law. They want, well, you can only have one house and it needs to be this size and any house over 2,000 square feet is too, you know, is a sin. <laughs> Everybody wants a law. No, there isn't one. There isn't a law. But what you do want to ask is a whole bunch of questions mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, is your second house a, 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 a rarely used thing that you keep away from everybody else because you don't want it to get ruined? And you just want it sitting there pristine for when you want it, because it's a very you-focused sort of thing. Or is your is that second house, and as the language that he uses, this oft-used retreat to energize people for 
both uh, the alleviation of the poor and the spreading of the gospel all over the world so that they come back to their work and life and ministry with more vigor to do mm-hmm. it. And his, his point, you can, you can hear what he's basically, he's trying to say essentially what we, what we just tried to say, which is, well, is it wrong to have two houses? No. But don't, don't truncate, don't limit uh, the glory that God can get from that house by just keeping it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you enjoying it brings glory to God, but you're missing all the rest of it. There's another level. That yeah. when, when somebody else enjoys it. So you go out and you buy the better thing, but you die the better thing with a view towards sharing the better thing with others because you know other people are going to like riding your, your carbon bike. They're going to think that's cool, so you mm. share it with them. The challenge that people have, though, is when they buy better things that cost more, they get worried that people will stain the Their carpet, carpet. <laughs> right? And then they get all irritated. Don't you know how much money this costs? This is not a piece of junk, blah, 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 blah. Like, but, if you're going to give me your, your BMW to borrow, uh, you, you might feel very differently than if, you, than if Wesley gives me his rubbish Ford to borrow, right? No, seriously, his Ford that doesn't run and... Or whatever. And that's usually the one we give people. Well, my friends are coming in, so I might as well give them the junk car. Right. Next time they come in. Give them the nice car. Yeah. Give them the Mercedes. Give them the nice car. And you drive mm-hmm. the junk one. Yeah, so that, that openness and actual love for others is when you see them appreciate that as a gift. You know, they can thank you. Ultimately, they want you want them to be thanking God for provision. But you also get a benefit hopefully in seeing their delight in that gift oh, yeah. yeah and so that in the getting to give to get to give it's not simply kind of this cycle but there's actually a, a cascading joy yeah. yes. that should be accompanying that right and yes. a praising to god at each step along and the way here's the other thing that's really eminent through both the talents and the sheep and goats piece this element of it's okay to take some risk especially when it's vertical oh, yeah. and horizontal. It is risky to loan your really nice car out to somebody. More risky than it is to loan your junker out to somebody. It's risky to let people stay in your house. You never know what they're going to do, what dish they might break, so yeah. on and so forth. Hospitality is, is... The easy thing is to close the doors when you're done and to walk out and then it'll be ready when you come back just the way you left it, which is exactly what the guy with the one talent did. He basically mm-hmm. said, it's yeah, too safe. hard. I'm not willing it's to safe. take the risk. It's safe. I'll dig it into a hole and I'll leave it and I'll know where it is. I'll mark it. I'll come back and I'll, cause I'm scared of the, of the master. Those guys could have lost the five and the two talents. Oh, that they could have gained 10, lost three, gained two, lost four, ended up with five. You, you know, he ebbed and flowed all the way through. He must've, by the time that his master came back, such is life, but you're willing to risk it for the yeah. work that you're called to do. Carl and I were talking on the phone earlier today and I was telling him that, I think I was telling you this, that, uh, you know, when when you think about hospitality in general, it's a it's a it's a risky proposition. The 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 Good Samaritan takes a great risk in stopping yes. and going over to the side of the road on one of the more dangerous roads, where they usually like, was re- frequent tool or tactic of the bandits to leave the half beaten guy on the side of the road until some Good Samaritan shows up, wants to help him, and then now you get two beaten guys in their right. stuff, beaten and you sweat. can just do this all day long, and so. <laughs> It's a very, very dangerous thing to do to stop and to go over to the side of the road and do this. And yet the guy, yet the guy did it. 
He also takes a great risk in leaving, you know, the cost of everything to himself. And they, I could be ordering room service or whatever. The, but the, the point is, yeah, it is risky. It's risky all the way down. But that's, that's the joy. And he sees the good, yeah. the means that he has to do certain things and the money he has that, to pay for somebody else to stay at that hotel and to be cared for. He sees that as something that's going to be helpful. Yes. And he's, he's right. willing to do that. And that he didn't plan when he woke up in the morning to be spending his money that way. But he had the money, he saw the opportunity, and he met the need when it was available. Right. With delight. Yeah. Amazing. This has been fun. Do you have any other questions or anything else to say, Carl? Me? Or is that for everybody? Because Kyle has a lot Kyle, of paper. anything else? How long do we have? Well, we've been I'll going. stop it. Um, <laughs> so I had, I had this, a congregant ask me this question. Um, I want to get your, your response to it and see if my response was right. But at the end of this, it almost, be, because it's focused on what you're doing, it can come across as your works are the way you get saved. Yeah. Um, so if, if we read it that way, what then do we think about we're saved by grace through faith? Yeah. So the passages that we, some of them that we read, right? So even the one we just pointed out, Matthew 25, with the sheep and the goats, there, there's not any talk about faith in it. Mm-hmm. So people read it and go, see, saved by works. Or the way that Zacchaeus is approached, you know, I know you're saved. <laughs> or even even the the sinful woman, she's told, uh, forget, you know, your sins, which were many, were forgiven. Uh, the rich ruler and how he's told to, <laughs> you don't say, the point is there's not a lot of faith discussion mm-hmm. in any of it. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to say that there are par- portions of scripture, especially uh, when Jesus is speaking, that he's assuming, he's assuming uh, faith and he is looking at these different acts as the fruit of a particular kind of tree. So he will make a pronouncement of the tree based upon what fruit he sees. Uh, he, he is, he is not, so in other words, he's not saying, uh, the way that you get saved is by doing these sharing things with people. He's saying people who are saved to do these sharing things with people. Do you see Mm -hmm. the difference? There's a cart and a horse here, right? The, the horse is faith. The cart is works, not works followed by faith or anything of that variety. Um, and so for me, this is the consistent teaching of faith and works in the scriptures. And so when you read a passage like this, it's very much assumed in my part, in my opinion, that, that the people who are going to be acting in this particular way are people who've had their lives transformed by the gospel. And it's showing up in the way that they spend their money mm-hmm. or the way they, they give. Like, like what is a mark of a Christian? And I would say the uh, one key mark of a Christian is koinonia. Is, is fellowship, is hospitality, sharing with the other. Mm-hmm. It marks them. Mm-hmm. You should be able to tell that the Spirit of God is at work in their lives because he bears fruit like that. Even in the sheep and goats passage, you look at the text, and the, the king says to those on the right and those on the left, he identifies the sheep and the goats not by physical features. You have horns, so you go to hell. You have no horns, you stay here. He's talking about his actions. You did not give me. You did not serve. You did not act in the same manner that you profess. So I see the link between that faith and works. I mean, the yeah. key text mm-hmm. is, is James two fourteen, which is not 
it's not denigrating faith. Of course right. you have the, but, but what, show me, be, you say you have faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Right. right. And I think that in the, in the gospels, that's what you've got. You've got a lot of people who are showing faith by their, by their works, mm-hmm. but biblical faith uh, is not just mental assent. The demons have that. Right. Biblical faith is a kind of thing that submits to the Lord and acts, acts upon that submission in, in ways that are kind of overflowing, right? When you get filled up with the gospel, it bleeds out in certain areas, and one of the areas is, is this. Let's say you're filled with the, you know the gospel believer, and you see that the gospel should lead you to the, these certain actions, but you don't, you don't feel like it. It's it's not something you see what the duty is, but you have no delight in the duty. But you see that this would actually would be a good thing to do. But I really don't kind of want to. But yeah. I know it would be good to do. What what you just sit and wait until? No, I think that you, you feel good about doing it, then do it. Right. So here's the challenge that every Christian has: is that we we live between two ages, and uh, we we have um, minds that have been darkened apart from Christ. So Romans one. Mm-hmm. God has handed us over to a debased mind. Romans 12, uh, we, we need a renewing of the mind so that we may test and approve what the will of God is. So we have been transferred from one kingdom to another. What we need is an education in the new kingdom. The way you get that is in Scripture, is in brothers and sisters in Christ reminding you of it and learning about it and these things. And as you go along... It will be more and more of a delight because you'll start to see the world through the eyes of the the, the age to come instead of the present evil age. So I wait until I get the feeling. Well, no, I do. think you would act. So, for example, you know, if I move from if, but if I act, I moved from Canada to the United States. Well, I moved from the Canada to the United States, and I didn't stay being Canadian. I I did some United States stuff that I didn't I didn't like. Or the other way around, right? I, I, I was in Canada as an American, and I was living, you know, having to obey certain rules that I thought were dumb. But I, I tried to obey a lot of them. <laughs> Not all. But, like, <laughs> I tried to obey a, a, a lot of those rules because I was in, I was in Canada. Uh, and so that's my point. You, okay, obey the rules because you're in the, king, the, the new kingdom. Eventually, eventually, in the kingdom of God, you'll start to see the joy in right. those things it's not like so Canada, there is, the United if there States. is a disconnect between what I, I what i delight in and what i know i should delight in compared to what my duty is and the delight isn't compelling me to do the duty yeah you need mind renewal you need to but do i wait for the mind to be renewed no then you do the no. duty well what i would say I, is i would how about all at the same time so i do the duty and pray for god to renew well, my not mind just to pray it, dude i think there's ways the for you to renew your mind I think that reflecting on the gospel, I think Mm -hmm. that uh, reading scripture, I think that going to church, I'm sorry, just plain stuff that will will help renew your mind. I'll give you an illustration that I've used lots of times before. He's an Arsenal fan, uh, English Premier League team. I don't live in England. Uh, How did I uh, become an Arsenal fan, never living in England? It took some work. Right, it did because you saw that as a duty at one point. You, at one point, it I was. I was like, team. no, I, I kind of like them, but then I was like, all right, if I'm, you know, just choose Liverpool then. But then, no, you even if we're going to be Liverpool fan, you got to start reading about the Liverpool people, and you have to listen to the podcasts about about the team, and you spend time around other people who cheer for the team, and you talk about the team, and mm-hmm. all of these things happen all at the same time, 
And after a while, you end up building an affinity and affection for the team so that I don't do any of those things now out of any kind of duty. It's, it's all delight. Yeah. And it started with delight, even though it was a little bit harder early on. I, I, I want to know all of that stuff. So my, my point is, right, if, if you are going to be a lover of, of God in a world that doesn't, you're, you're going to have to do practices or live in such a way that faith in God or faith in Jesus will grow there. So your, yeah, your arsenal analogy is basically my experience with broccoli. Oh yeah. So you so need now to, you love one is righteous and the you other need to expose though. yourself more to it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exercise is the same way, isn't it? it? Right, like delight more in it. Yeah, exercise yeah. is the same way. There's a deci- there's a discipline in like no one wants to go running. But you do it because they know it's the right thing to do. Their doctor told them, so there's maybe an obedience there. Their wife told them, blah, 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 blah. But eventually, like, well, at least for me, exercise becomes joyful the more you do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're no. like, oh, and now I need to go for a ride on my bike That's or a right. run on my thing because my body has become used to it. So sometimes the act of obedience will move you into the joyful so state. So the spiritual muscles need to be exercised yeah, so in the a short, similar way. My right? short answer yeah. is you need a mind renewal. And you say, well, how do you do that? And I say, well, those are the means of grace. Yeah. Those are, those, those yeah. are the, when I say means yeah. of grace. Yeah. It's theological terms to say that there right. are certain ways that God has given us to tap into his mm-hmm. gracious mind renewal. And that is the church. It's the scriptures. It's, the, it's yeah. prayer. It's fellowship with other Christians. It's all the basic stuff mm-hmm. that you're not doing because God said, you do this or I'm going to get you. You're doing because you're like, I need to have my mind renewed because all week long it is being saturated with the old age that's passing away. Yep. There, we, f- we solved it. Every single thing was I mean, solved here today. I don't know, the greatest podcast ever? Could all be. All in favor? Could be. Okay. Could be. Wesley's asleep. So uh, we, uh, we'll, we'll bring an end to it here this has been a lot of fun this is uh next week is our last week in the on the money podcast we'll have jeff thompson with us and he will give his massive insights into first timothy chapter 6 verses 17 i think to 24 or something which is a great summary passage of all of this stuff this has been a lot of fun thank you kyle for coming along and being all the awesomeness you are yes carl i guess we'll see you next week because i live here (laughs) you're amazing (laughs) anyway we loved you carl and wesley we love you too and your ford all right you have a Take care. See you next time.